This podcast does contain spoilers, so if you're okay with that, listen on. If not, pause the podcast, go watch the movie we're about to talk about, and come on back. All right, sweet. Excuse me. Brian, uh, over here. Hey. Pardon me, pardon me. Why don't you have the popcorn? It's starting! Woo! <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Shut up. Shut up and listen to the podcast. Hey! There's a lot out there to see. This is what we watched. So fuck it, let's just start. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to the podcast. This is what we watched. This is a podcast for movie lovers, TV lovers, and those who enjoy petting dogs. As my guest is today, uh, we're we're, uh, at my buddy Luke Antonio's house uh luke thanks so much for joining us and hey thanks for letting let me come crash your place for a little bit and talk some movies with you yeah you're gonna have to pay for that hole in the wall though that you just crashed through i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i also uh pay for nothing that goes to the producer (laughs) okay i'll send him the bill (laughs) thanks for having me on absolutely thanks for coming on so luke is a local denver area filmmaker producer uh longtime friend extraordinaire so Dude, I'm, I'm excited to, to have you, and I'm excited to talk to you about, about some stuff. Same for you, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Um, so we were talking before we hit, hit record, uh, you you were finishing up a documentary. Do you want to tell us about what you've been working on? Uh, yeah, this has been kind of a passion project for me. Uh, it is a documentary called Shepherds of Fire. It's a 30-minute short uh, revolving around um, firefighters struggling with PTSD and the other mental struggles that come with the job. Um, my grandfather was a firefighter. His dad was a firefighter. And so it was something that I felt strongly needed to be told and that a lot of people don't often think about. You know, they're kind of our everyday heroes, even though they would tell you that they're not heroes. And um, that's kind of what makes them so special and unique. Right. And right. hearing their firsthand accounts of all the things they've been through. That's incredible. Yeah. Is, and uh, that was all done here in Colorado? Uh, mostly. Okay. Um, mostly around the Denver area, although we did take a trip up to Vail and then up to Wyoming to... Uh, I was going to say Vail is in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but outside the Denver area. Okay. And then up to Wyoming for uh, some interviews with uh, wildfire firefighters. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And this was done uh over the last couple of years i remember i i recall right yeah it's been a few years um making a documentary is kind of like running a marathon (laughs) (laughs) i i don't doubt it but uh, i'm very very much looking forward to that uh is it gonna be released any anytime soon can can people come check it out if they want yeah um i'm gonna be holding a special uh premiere at psy film center um in early january still getting the details locked down but i'll fantastic Fantastic. We'll uh, we'll make sure to include details on socials uh, for everyone who is following or anybody who I yell at to go follow. Um, but I wanted Luke. I, I wanted to bring you on because uh, I don't know if you even know this. You were one of the first people who really got me into like film. Film. Like I enjoyed movies growing up and everything, and you know, kind of enjoyed the awards race every like a cat as a casual fan but more as a general audience member and you were one of the first people uh in my life to really introduce me to the filmmaking side of things and then that's kind of where i fell in love with with movies uh and and have the passion for it as i do so um 
Yeah, I just uh, I really wanted to talk to you about about kind of where film is right now post uh, double strikes. Thank God the WJ and SAG came to an agreement with the uh, mighty AMPTP. Um, so, do you have any thoughts a about the strikes and b kind of where film is in general right now? Yeah. Well, first of all, that means a lot to hear you say that. Absolutely. Um, and you know you've made a big splash of your own after. I introduced you. <laughs> thanks, I'm proud thanks. of you. I appreciate that. Um, as far as the strikes go, and I think they reached a really good agreement on both um, the SAG and the uh, WGA strikes. Um, I think a lot of people are excited to see new movies coming out, mm-hmm. um, but they need to realize that these uh, agreements that c- just came to fruition that they just signed on uh they're only temporary right um and need to renegotiate in a few years um so we'll see where everything lies after that and i'm sure these ai um creators are gonna keep evolving their own tech um and a part of me even though you know i am a filmmaker and i love traditional filmmaking to the point where i prefer practical effects over most of these CGI movies, mm. other than Marvel. Uh, <laughs> although I think Marvel overuses it too. Um, but I think that AI can be used as a tool. I just think that the studios are trying to get away with too much. I understand that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really think that it these wins um, for, the, for the unions are huge, um, enormous, at least from the WGA side. I know that they got pretty much everything that they wanted um, with a little bit of concessions. And this, I believe, side got a, a, a good amount. But like you said, it's temporary. Like, it's kind of time to get back to work and also keep an eye for future negotiations to have a little bit of bargaining room to go, look, we gave you this, you know, now you can give us, give us this, you know, in the future. And I'm not saying that, you know, especially with AI is not a a big deal. I think that um, confronting that maybe needed to be, you know, the one thing they, the one thing they didn't want to budge on and everything else could have been a little bit, you know, more wiggle room. Um, But I really like that the WGA was able to, and I don't know if the guild itself is going to release any kind of uh, um, numbers or metrics on, you know, what people are actually watching and, and how many hours get watched. Um, but that's something that they were, they fought for as well. So, so hopefully that comes to fruition. Also, if anybody hears a dog, that is uh, Luke's dog. Graham. Graham. I almost, I, I was going to say Graham and then I went, that's not Graham. There's, it was something else. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, so what do you think that these, these strikes do have done for the awards season as we're about to kick off? And we're recording this a day before the end of November, uh, with, a, with a very, very packed month of December of releases and with, uh, some awards, um, nominees coming out. So what do you think, if anything, has, have these strikes done? I think they've done a lot. Um, for one, a lot of productions got delayed. A lot of releases got delayed, um, and there was unfortunately not a lot of marketing for some of these movies uh, because marketing often relies on actors and writers, which both were not working at the time. So um, the movies that were released during this time period 
Um, I don't think a lot of people saw them, knew about them even. Right. And right. Um, I know the Academy is going to be getting screeners, but uh, they might be judging it a little differently. And I think it threw a big you know, wrench in the engine to of what could have been. Um, and then th- that'll, you'll see that ripple effect next year as well. Yeah. Because the ones that were delayed are going to now be on the next ballot, perhaps. Um, and that'll be interfering mm. with some of the other movies that were coming out next year. Uh-huh. Um, no, yeah, I, I think you're, you've got a really good point with, with coming into going into next year, things are, it's, I mean, it's going to be even more packed than normal just with all of the delays and all of the releases, um, you know, kind of, kind of getting strangled. So some of the smaller movies, like, you know, things like this year's past lives or, um, you know, the, those little indie, even inside, you know, from way early in the year, those things are going to get squeezed out and completely forgotten. Um, but mainly in a big part, like you said, for this year is, nobody's talking about these because nobody's been able to go out and talk about these. So it's kind of going to be this rush to, oh yeah, they did come out. Oh yeah, I did like that. And, you know, maybe reassess what my thoughts were about it versus the things that are now about to come out, like uh, Maestro and May, December I've heard is, is um, a, an award circuit or a, a festival circuit kind of darling things like, you know, the, the iron claw um, Nyad, those kind of things are going to be in the forefront because they're recent. And so things that are a little bit more fresh might get a bit more of a boost than things, even like Oppenheimer and Barbie that, you know, feels like, you know, more than half a year ago came out, uh, without, without all of that attention being brought to it. So what, uh, speaking of that, so, so are there any, and, and we were talking again off mic that, that you've kind of not been seeing as many movies lately, uh, as, as maybe I have, or maybe as I wanted you to, but <laughs> how dare you? What, uh, what have you been watching? What, what have you seen this year? What are some of the, your favorites off, off the top of your head from, from the last 11 months? As uh, far as movies go? As far as movies go. And then, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on, on TV as well. Um, Cause I'm the opposite. I, I haven't given a lot of time to TV and series. Uh, unfortunately, there's just a fixed amount of hours in the day and a fixed amount of time in the, in the year. And especially with with the uh, with the nominations about to be released, I'm trying to get a head start on that, so I'm not playing catch up in the early part of the year. But uh, I think there were a few good ones, but you know, overall, I felt like this was kind of a off year in part due to the strikes but um i'm wondering also if it's still residuals from the pandemic too i believe that also had you know we're still seeing the lasting ripple effects i mean yeah. even uh the the movie we're going to talk about today the main movie topic we're going to talk today next goal wins was originally going to come out i think to 2020 i believe yeah i think that's right yeah so they i mean started pre-production in 2019 right so Right, you know, 2020, 2021. I mean, it's yeah. been shelved for at least a couple of years. Um, so yeah, that wouldn't sh- shock me that most of the movies released today, you know, are still have some kind of um, effect from from that pandemic. I think there were a lot of good animated films this year, though. I agree. Um, I agree. I think Spider Verse is probably going to take <laughs> that's the award, yeah, uh, as it should. But some of the other animated films I really liked um, were like. Nimona, if mm. you saw that one, I it's on not. Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, beautiful movie, really gorgeous animation. 
Um, and uh, the Super Mario movie was like surprisingly yeah. fun. It was way fun. Everybody loved it. It was so much <laughs> fun. It really was. I mean, and and we talked on on that episode. Uh, how like it just felt nostalgic, but also its own thing. Like I thought it had a really healthy blend of, hey, this is Mario, this is the essence of Mario, and yet this is also the singular tale we're going to spin off of this and not try and do uh, something f- directly from the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't get around to seeing it, but I heard good things about a uh, movie, is an animated one too, called The Inventor. Okay. Um, I think it like told the story of um, Leonardo da Vinci... Uh, it was an indie animation, which I really appreciate. We don't get enough indie animated films. Mm-hmm. Um, I I saw um Suzume Suzume um early in the year, and I remember really liking that as well. Um, really think that that animation was you know I don't want to say necessarily standard, but you know with with though that style of of animation, you can only go so far. Um, I thought it looked great though. I really did. The I think the only movie that may give Spider Verse a run for its money is the one that's coming up, The Boy and the Heron. Yes, yes, and I'm the glad new- you brought that up because <laughs> I was going to say while Spider Verse is probably my pick as well, uh, lead contender for for taking home that that particular award, you can never uh, count out Miyazaki. Yeah, ever. I mean, but again, that's the same similar animation to something like Suzume, where again, how far can you go? I think it's more of you know name brand uh classic filmmaker and mm-hmm. hypothetically gonna be his last oh uh, yeah so we'll it might see. be his last exactly. <laughs> <laughs> might be the last chance might not be to to kind of recognize him um so i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see how voters turn out yeah and then as far as live action movies go um i mean you had uh i'm gonna try to get this right killers of the flower moon there you go oh he's end up saying it in some jumbled mess um <laughs> But loved that movie. Um, you know, Oppenheimer was good. Uh, but my favorite was probably Barbie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was it's so, so refreshing. It's so much fun. It was great. It was, it felt like a classic movie going experience seeing yes. that. Yes. Because everybody was like excited going in and everyone was excited coming out mm-hmm. and everyone was like, Dressing up yeah. and being like, hey, Barbie, hey, Ken. <laughs> I It felt like old times that we haven't had in a long yeah. time. I mean, even pre-pandemic, I feel like. like yeah. it, it, I completely agree with you. And, and it, it was one of those, because I saw both Oppenheimer and Barbie opening weekend, and it was just one of those, like, every moment that both of those movies wanted to land, landed, and spectacular, spectacularly so. In the, in the sense that, you know, Everyone laughed at, at roughly the same jokes. I mean, you know, which which just kind of elevates your experience. And when those dramatic beats happen, like in Oppenheimer, when the bomb goes off and it kind of cuts out, I mean, you could nobody, you couldn't hear anyone breathing. Those kind of things, like just you, you know, are powerful when you're watching them by yourself, and they're powerful when you're in a theater, but without a packed house, it's not quite the same experience. So yeah, it was definitely one of those. Oh, this this is how it should be kind of moments for for movies. So I totally agree. Um and I'm so glad that they're getting hopefully about to get the recognition that they both deserve um for not just being giant blockbusters, but for being really well-made movies. And you know, the last time I was just reflecting, the last time I had a moment like you were talking about with Oppenheimer uh was when I went to see Les Mis mm. in theaters mm-hmm. and during in Hathaway's I 
Dream a Dream. Mm-hmm. A Dream a Dream, is that the... Yeah, I... let's go with yes. Okay. <laughs> I forget the Shame name. on us, we're both from theater. <laughs> yeah, Come on I now. Know, right? Um, but like, during... I remember during that song specifically, everyone, it was just like, silent, and then she ended her song, and there was just like, a almost simultaneous exhale from everyone in the audience. Like, right. wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in, in having those moments. Are, yeah, <laughs> that was a while ago. Yeah, having those moments are seeming seems to be rarer and rarer to come across, mm-hmm. um, which is just is too bad, I think. Yeah. It's too bad. And I think, honestly, part of part of the problem is with the Mar. I mean, I, I think Marvel had those moments more than almost anything else um, in the last decade. And those have kind of waned as well. The excitement and the wonder and the spectacle of... of that franchise has kind of started to fade away completely, which is really sad to see, but I think they've also been their own culprit of, you know, having so much, you can't continually keep, I mean, it's kind of like the Dragon Ball Z problem. Like, you can't keep having the power level be raised and it be that, you know, captivating and that, yeah. um, you know, drawing everybody out to, oh, this is the you know, going to be a bigger battle than the last battle. It's, it, to me, it's, it, it kind of created its own demise. So... I did just see the Marvels, though. Uh, what did you think of the Marvels? Because I, th- I didn't think that it was that bad. I, I honestly liked it. I don't understand why people are hating on it as much as they are. I agree. Um, I wonder if some of that hate is misplaced. Mm. Uh, but I I loved this team-up. It mm-hmm. felt more organic than they tried to do in Endgame um, with the all-female team-up. Right. Um. That one, you know, it was cool to look at, but it was it felt kind of, you know, phony. It's like they phoned it in. Right. This one felt right. good because if you... And here's the thing, too, is I wonder how many people watched Miss Marvel before went, going to see the Marvels. Because also, yeah. Iman is... Iman Villani is the heart of that movie. Oh, 100%. And a wonderful young actor. Oh, my gosh. She is so cool. Fantastic. <laughs> so much fun to watch. And, yeah. and again, kind of with the her comedic bits, you know, hit because she's just a really good actor. Well, and she is she is a fangirl of the comics. Right. Like she right. knows those comics and she was so that that also made her perfect casting for right. a fangirl character in the <laughs> universe. Weird. Yeah. Right. That only happens though every so often, so don't think that that's going to be, you know, you, just because you love something, you're going to, you know, knock it out of the park in a giant tentpole franchise. Yeah. But, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Marvel's oversaturated the market um, by doing shows and movies mm-hmm. and trying to rush through everything. And there hasn't been enough um, tie-ins. Like, I expected... Doctor Strange to be in almost every movie as the new like kind of Iron Man, yeah. Um, building it all up and tying everything together and like, where are you, Benedict? Yeah. <laughs> Can't be doing Sherlock, that's for sure. Ooh, <laughs> tying his cummerbund. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there should there should have been more um, tie-ins, and I think I want to say people are getting a little impatient with these new characters because they're introducing so many new characters and they're like, where, where is this all going? Right. And right. I'm with them to a certain extent, but we got to remember that it took three, it took a decade to get to end game. 
and we're only like minus the pandemic especially like we're only a few years into this new saga or phase yeah yeah well we're in we're entering phase five Mm -hmm. of the new saga Mm -hmm. but they're rushing it and i think it's it's like it's contradictory because it's rushing but it's like people are impatient yeah right exactly (laughs) it's like what what do you want do you want to wait and take a breath because i i think that's what what marvel needs to do is is let everyone kind of take a breath Mm -hmm. but then if you do then you know everyone's like well then they've just given up and you know we're not going to go see the next thing but it's very contradictory to itself do you think that that marvel can reclaim what they used to have because i don't know if with with not just letting actors go who are you know have done this for like you said the last decade but either characters are are wrapped up like you know they're wrapping up loki or they wrapped up loki and it's kind of like where do you go from here because you're already established and i think that was part of the appeal with marvel is we haven't seen this kind of representation of these comic book heroes before so that was kind of a, oh cool we got to go check this out because we've never seen it on this scale before yeah and so i don't know i do you think that they can recapture any of that i i think so i think there's people are over, overlooking some of the golden nuggets that have come out for me i love shang chi mm-hmm. that was such a cool movie mm-hmm. Uh, the martial arts and uh, I love dragons <laughs> and uh, who doesn't? Hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> so and I love that world that they built. Um, and I'd love to see more of that. Yeah. Um, so there. I mean, there were some, were some not a, not so good ones, but there were also some really good ones. Right. And I think people are overlooking that. Loki. The both seasons were fantastic. Um, I. Again, I like to miss Marvel. I think... Well, here's another thing that I was telling you earlier off mic was... Um, I think this is a common problem with Marvel and other productions as well outside of Marvel. Mm-hmm. But some of the shows should be movies and some of the movies should be shows. Right. I think Miss Marvel could have benefited from being a movie and not a show. And not a not a series, right. And I think The Eternals could have been a show instead of a movie because there were so many characters to introduce and each episode could have focused on a different character. Right, right. And it's the same thing with with other other things, other content outside of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like I was telling you, like... Um, mess it up now. No, you're fine. Pillars <laughs> of a Flower Moon. Hey, there you hey. go. You got it. <laughs> I think that could have been a you. really cool limited series uh, that they could have dived even further into instead of it being like a three and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Oppenheimer. And I'm getting a little tired of Nolan's uh, series of montages to tell mm-hmm. so much because he has so much to say. So the the natural thing seems, the natural answer seems to be, you know, just make it a show. Right. Because then you'll have like six hours. You'll have right. like double, at least double the amount of time to I mean, flush all this stuff out. Right, and and for some reason, a lot of directors just, you know, don't... They want to cling to cinema, right? And they want to cling to the to the screen. And it's just so unfortunate because the, the you know, want and need for long-form content is just bene- benefited by longer form, mm-hmm. I, I think. So, yeah, may, we'll see. We'll see. I know Scorsese, or um, not Scorsese, um, uh, <laughs> Spielberg 
Spielberg was was kind of saying, "Hey, I might do some something with Napoleon because uh, he he saw not not really Scott's version. I don't want to talk about that again. <laughs> um, he saw the kind of notes and everything from uh, Stanley Kubrick and was kind of like, "Hey, he was really onto something here. You know, maybe we could further this and and develop this into something else." Um, he's also, I believe, got another World War II story coming out, but he that's going to be longer form as well. So you, I, I do like to see, you know, some filmmakers embrace that and kind of turn their eye to it, which I think also Tarantino has said he's interested in doing series as well. I think he would also benefit uh, greatly from doing series instead of just sticking with with movies. I mean, again, he, he said he's only going to do one more. We'll see if he sticks to that. But um, transitioning completely gracefully into and from uh, animation earlier... Again, semi-off mic, and since we were talking Marvel and, and how, you know, they're comic books. That's an animation, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you had a chance to see the uh, first look at the Fallout series? Uh, I saw the stills. Yes, that's yeah, yeah, the first about. look. Yep, yep, yeah. some of those those production stills. I This is the first thing I've heard. I had no idea Amazon was even doing a Fallout series, so oh, this really? is really exciting. Well, you're the movie guy, and you, you didn't know? Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> No, There's a it, lot that I am unaware of. It looks it looks great. Thanks for that. Uh I've been I've been waiting for this series for a long time. Yeah. Um and I don't play a lot of video games, but Fallout is one of the games that I have played. Yeah. Um and so I've been waiting for this <laughs> in anticipation. Well, I mean from the stills it looks really really well done and um I don't know. I don't know if we want to include this or not, whether you're on the podcast or if we want to talk about it ourselves. But I know we were in talks kind of to do something very, very loosely based on Fallout. Mm-hmm. So I, did, I don't know like what your kind of initial reaction was, because mine was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Fallout doesn't own the post-apocalypse. True. You know, True. Um, they own their version of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, you know... This isn't the first time I've thought about that production that we were going to do, mm-hmm. um, and how I also wish we had been able to do it, and maybe still can at some point, but, um, yeah, I think people are going to lose their shit over this, just like they did The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, and Amazon, you know, has a great track record, um, so... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I am too. I'm, I'm looking forward yet yeah, to, to seeing this. Um, I wonder how expansive it's going to be. I wonder if it's going to pick, uh, something from one of the games, if it's going to be kind of like what, uh, Super Mario did and just incorporate a lot of different elements. Cause this is, I mean, it, you know, it's an open world concept. So I think that, uh, there's a lot of, uh, room to work with and a lot of room to, uh, roam, roam around and explore, and honestly, it, it, I think it could definitely catch fire. I think this is this could be a, a huge hit that um, I believe is coming out. I want to say next year. Yeah, summer of next year, spring or I summer think it's of next spring. year. Spring. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the uh, creators of of Westworld are are in charge of this. Oh. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how long it takes for Amazon to pull that pull this <laughs> off its uh, streaming service. There were uh, just the first, like Westworld. The first two seasons of Westworld were good. I couldn't. Was, I, I struggled to get past one. I'm really? not gonna lie. I I loved the concept and I loved the first couple episodes, but I struggled to get past the first season, and then it just dropped off. And now I can't resume it. So unless oh. it, you have physical media, 
Send me send me some discs so I can watch things because that is no longer available. Dang. Um, I, you know, I think the Nolans need to go back to working with each other. Yeah. Uh, that's when they were the strongest. Yeah. Both of them. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But. All right, I want to mention, uh, before we get to our main topic, uh, I want to mention, uh, since we are recording on the on the verge of December, um, we talked a little bit about what some, some things that, that Luke liked. I will say that I liked a lot of things. Um, some of my tops were, uh, I, there's so many to list. I, I, I came up with a, a list of about 20. Wow. That is, yeah, I'm not going to list everything. Um, so I agree with everything you said. I also want to throw in their past lives, Asteroid City. Um, Gran Turismo was a great one. The creator, I thought, was a great concept. Um, and, yeah. and really, execution-wise, was good. But I, I think that also would have benefited from being a series, you know, at least a mm-hmm. limited series. So they could have had, had more time to breathe and kind of explain, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more of the backstory and the history and everything that they, they wanted to set up with that. Um, I love some of the comedies like Cocaine Bear and uh, The Machine. I mean, even Bo is Afraid, as weird as it was, like that one was also just like a lot of fun to go to go and watch. Um, but yeah, so so with those in mind, we also have some big ones coming up for December. Uh, most notably, some festival darlings, um, things like The Iron Claw, things like um, The Zone of Interest, Anyone But You, I'm going to go see... Um, American fiction, that one has been getting some, some good, uh, some good re- reviews coming in. Poor things. Like you said, the boy and the heron, uh, a lot of, a lot of things coming up. And then just to, to kind of massage in that we're finally about to get the taste of kind of what's been the quote unquote best of the best with the golden globe, uh, award nominees being released, uh, on December 11th, depending on when you hear this, it might've already been released. Um, it might not be, but I'm looking forward to that really, to me is the kickoff of the whole season, um, is, is when the, when the globe nominees come out, then it's okay, cool. Things are solidified. You know, there's going to be buzz about certain films. You know, we can talk about maybe what what's included, what isn't. Um, but December 11th is is the big date for me coming up, and then the short lists for the Oscars December 21st. And uh, I might we might have to have you back on to, to talk some short lists and maybe nominations in January when uh, when you've had some time to see see more things. But short list is coming out that soon. Yep. Yep. I thought it usually is released in January. I thought so too, but no, nominations are in January. Uh, so the Golden Globe Awards are in January as well. So there's yeah. a very, very quick turnaround between that. Um, then we get a bunch of uh, Guild Awards. We get the Critics' Choice in, in January. Um, but then the BAFTA and Oscar nominations are coming out in January, uh, right around when the Emmys are coming out. <laughs> the 2023 Emmys are going to be in 2024. So The nominations are announced in January. For for Oscars, for yes, Oscars. Yep. yep, yeah. So that the nominations that are announced is the shortlist. No, the, right? No, because no. there's there's a shortlist saying, "Hey, here's the here's here's eight categories." Um, I can't remember exactly which ones. Well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, no, it's it, it's eight eight categories. I can't remember exactly which one. Um, but it's kind of like here's the not the nominations, not the top five and not the top 10 for best picture, not the top five in, in each category, but here's kind of maybe the top eight or top 10 out of these categories. And then from that category, or from, from that short list, we're going to narrow it down to five for the actual um, ceremony that's coming in March. So 
A lot of time. A lot of time for awards. And Jimmy Kimmel is hosting, I believe. Yes, yes. I like when when Kimmel hosts. I think he's a great host. I, I don't know what people have a problem with Kimmel. Like, I don't know either. I think he's hilarious and fun. Because and... he's not Billy Crystal, I guess? I don't And he's like, he's got kind of a Conan O'Brien snarkiness, but not as mean. Right. Like, I feel like he really found a good balance. I agree. Yeah. I agree. At poking enough fun at people without offending and, yeah. and upsetting them. Yeah. I take it back without upsetting them because I don't give, I <laughs> give two shits about offending people. Fuck that. Um, you're going to be that vain to be upset by a joke? Yeah. Come on, guys. God. AKA Will Smith. <laughs> uh, we'll see what drama happens to it. Yeah, exactly. There's always something. There's yeah. always something. No, I, I, I do like Kimmel and I think he'll be, he'll be great for this, but that's for another time. Today... Luke and I both saw Next Goal Wins recently, which is Taika Waititi's new film. Uh, I guess new film, because again, we, <laughs> we mentioned that this one was supposed to come out in around the 2020-2021 era, um, but that did not happen, so it got pushed. Uh, it stars Michael Fassbender. It stars um, Iana Morris. It stars Kaimana. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to butcher it, <laughs> so I'm not going to try. I'm going to go with that, um, and I'm so sorry if, if I got that wrong, um, but but uh, she does a wonderful portrayal of the uh, transgender athlete Jaya, um, and I think that this is that that's what one of this movie's strong suits is, in my opinion, is the inclusion of the Pacific Islanders, of transgender people, of kind of that, you know plight of the lower working class in a smaller socioeconomic, you know, region, um, you know, and but also pokes fun at it and also is not afraid to kind of laugh at itself. And and that's what Taika has, has also said is, hey, I'm not afraid to laugh at myself. And that's kind of just what we do to, to push through things. But it's important to include perspectives from the people who you're telling it about. I mean, t- for me, it felt like a classic underdog story but with some great representation in there yes. um yes and in a way it felt like old but modern in that way mm-hmm. like i don't think the style of it felt almost like a late 90s early 2000s movie mm-hmm. but with the subject matter and the representation of of today's contemporary um lifestyles and which was cool and and it still had taika's i've been referring to taika as the jim carrey of today (laughs) (laughs) he's got that like silly you know goofy kind of personality and but he's not completely off the deep end yet yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh poor jim um (laughs) but uh you know it still had that classic taika feel yeah and still had the people he's been working with for a while, um, names, but <laughs> the one who uh, played Topaz in yeah. in uh, Ragnarok, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Reese, uh, what's Rachel House? I think is her name, right? Yes, Reese Darby also. And Reese Darby. Mm-hmm. Did you have you seen uh, Our Flag Means Death? I've seen a few episodes, but I haven't seen all of it. But I do love it. It's so I good. need to continue that one. <laughs> that one's great. That one's great. Um, oh yeah, I didn't ask about TV. I'm sorry. About what? We'll have to jump back oh, into about that. about TV. <laughs> but yeah, yeah Taika also kind of has that entourage, I guess, if you will, that kind of surrounds him and that, you know, he likes to reuse actors and he likes to reuse, you know, 
people he likes to work with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think for his films, they it just works. That kind of lighthearted, bubbly, you know, not taking anything too seriously, but also having a lot of heart and also being able to be serious at times, I think is is very difficult to balance. And I think he's found a great group of people to do that. Yeah. Also, this is on the heels of... Uh, I don't remember. I don't know exactly when this one's coming out. So this isn't nece- may, might not necessarily be on the heels of you hearing this, but this is on the heels of me talking about Napoleon and how the historical inaccuracy has really, really bothered me. And that's something I loved about Next Goal Wins is right from the get go, you have Taika coming out and saying, guys, this is not entirely true. Most of this is, you know, is actually what happened, but there's a lot of embellishments with that. And I, enjoy, I I respect that choice, that candid choice to break the fourth wall and start the movie with something kind of more comedic and just say, hey, guys, sit back, relax. We're going to have fun, right? If you if you let the movie uh, hit you with with a less serious tone, then then you're going to have fun with this. Um, and I, I think it's pretty cool, too, that it was based on a documentary. I didn't know that until researching yeah. this. I had no <laughs> idea of the same name. Next Goal Wins. And... Uh, it gives me hope, perhaps, for my own documentary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, All you got to do is inspire people. Exactly. <laughs> so you, that's that's cool. That And it's good that he had that source material to work from, too. Um, and I know they showed some of it in the credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, Michael Fassbender, like... Yeah, nailing it as always. Yeah, um, I, I, in a very different role than we're used to seeing him in. Like we're not used to seeing him in a truly comedic role. And I thought, I thought he really did uh, a really, really well job with this one. With you know, I, I guess part of that was was the expectation of it's Michael Fassbender. He can't do comedy, and he kind of embodied that. I'm not a comedic person, and that kind of worked with that. You know, him almost being the straight man, right? Mm-hmm. Of of the of the. Uh, comedy here is I'm going to take myself so entirely seriously that it's life or death mm-hmm. until right that big reveal that hey it's not life or death yeah um game it's just a game it's just a game um but yeah but I thought Fastbender was great uh, like I said I think uh, Kaimana was was really really good did you know I had no idea either that this is the first thing that she's ever been in yeah yeah like. I think one of her friends uh, had had sent her friends or family had sent her the um, audition notice and it's like, hey, this kind of sounds like you. And she's like, uh, okay, I guess. I don't know. I'd love to see them in more things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really, I really um, enjoyed where they where they went with that. Yeah. uh, With that character and just being so real. And that was something that that Fazbender had mentioned is that with someone who's basically a non-actor. Is, you know, there's this truth and this this realism that they can bring to the character that a lot of actors just have trouble accessing. Um, I I worry though about about um, Kaimana being typecast in only transgender right. roles. Well, and, and again, not that the, not that the, that's not important to represent, but mm-hmm. I just that's not the whole point of representation. Like yeah. a gay person doesn't only have to play gay characters right that that kind of thing like that's just what i worry about if if their career does move forward i think yeah (laughs) what else grim has some thoughts i it would apparently not that many (laughs) challenge on uh (laughs) challenge him on a subject and he goes whoa never mind um having gay actors represented in media has been around longer than transgender representation has been 
I agree. Um, and because it's newer to to the industry, um, I think we're seeing more like typecasting like that. But the goal, the next goal, uh, <laughs> is to have it normalized, right? And have them be able to play all kinds of different characters. A show that recently came out um, was the One Piece live action yes. uh, series. Yes. And the actor who plays Kobe um, is transgender. Mm. But mm-hmm. that character is not. Right. So, you know, that is is the point of representation. Yes. And I think it will get there more and more as time goes on. And if um, I can be honest, I didn't know that. And I thought Kobe was fantastic. Yeah. I thought that show was was marvelous for for being just, you know, and the essence of the anime from what I've seen. Now, again, there's a th- over a thousand episodes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, not embarked that for, on that journey. <laughs> right, exactly. That's that's a whole other... If we get if we have Pandemic Part 2, maybe <laughs> I'll touch One Piece, but uh, without that kind of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I, I, thought, I thought Kobe did a fantastic job. Jo- or, I'm sorry, the, the actor playing Kobe did a fantastic job at just being that character, and I never thought anything about their sexuality or their gender. Like, yeah. it's just exactly like you said, that's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I hope I hope that uh, more films, more filmmakers uh, you know, kind of take that and run with it. Yeah, it, but, me too. But I, I also am curious to know if because Waititi has has been a huge proponent of inclusion and of um, of native people telling their own uh, stories, whether that's you know like the Polynesians or if that's the the Native Americans or if that's Mexicans or women or right whoever, just you know being the the face of that story they're telling. And so I'd love to know his thoughts about Killers of the Flower Moon because that's an old white guy telling a not white guy story. Yeah. And choosing to put the bad guys at the forefront, right? The white people at the forefront instead of them taking uh, a side to the tragedy of these real events. And I think that that is an interesting perspective. And I think it's an interesting take. And I'm wondering if, you know, just being a really good movie for Killers of, of the Flower Moon, I'm wondering if that is going to be forgotten because of the name br- uh, behind behind that that movie. Yeah, I mean... You know, I, I was talking to my mother the other day um, and kind of trying to explain representation in media to her because she is a mostly white woman. We, I don't know if you knew this, but we have some Mayan ancestry. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I did not know that. That's so, cool. In, and obviously she more than me because I'm the next generation, and unfortunately that's how genetics work, mm-hmm. but... Um, I was trying to explain how it works and like I was I've been struggling with my own kind of identity as a filmmaker and how I can be a mostly white uh straight male mm-hmm. and still tell stories that I want to tell but you know I my goal as a filmmaker is to help lift up those other voices um like my wife, she's Arab Muslim mm-hmm. and I am, I have converted as well. Um, and so, you know, I, but she is also, we have our own production company, A to Z productions. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, my goal is to help her tell use her voice and try to help her to tell the stories that she wants to tell too. Right. And that goes, you know, beyond just her. So that's, you know, Taika's in a good place as somebody who is of what New Zealand indigenous um ancestry. Yes, he's of um uh Maori descent. So I'm not sure where that is. I think I read I think I read that he it's New Zealand. I'm pretty sure that's New Zealand. Yes. Um because I was also curious after watching him in this uh movie mm-hmm. and and with all this um attention going to representation and which it should be. Right. You know, I was curious about his you know background and heritage. Yeah. Uh yes, so he he is uh from from Oh, I'm not even going to try that. The uh, East Coast of the North Island of New Zealand. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name because I will butcher it. <laughs> and I don't want the New Zealanders coming after me, throwing Kiwis at me. Yeah, sorry to all the New Zealanders. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's in a good place to tell certain stories. Um, but I was talking to my mother about it and... You know, we were talking about Scorsese and how this his movie could have easily been told by an indigenous filmmaker, right? Um. So yeah, it's had a point. Now with all these positive, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so I think we need to start being aware of the stories we're telling and the kinds of people that were representing mm-hmm. um and who's telling the stories yeah exactly just be mindful of that and mindful that there is another perspective it's not always you know the victors writing the script basically right the 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 victors writing the history books like allowing other people to have different opinions and have different perspectives and have a voice it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be all the, the uh, all movies have to have that one same perspective that's the exact opposite of the of the of the point of inclusivity is just letting them have their the chance to speak and letting them have the chance to to say what they want and feel the things that they feel and validating them for it and i think that that is not difficult to do but that's also and uh, i've griped about this ad nauseum but that's part of my my problem when filmmakers decide not to set something in a language when it's so easy to find good actors who speak whatever language you've set that in, a la Napoleon or Chevalier or something like that, where it's not difficult. Or even, honestly, one of my all-time favorite series of all time was uh, Chernobyl. And that, you know, being set in Ukraine, right, in the the, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? (laughs) <laughs> I'm totally butchering what time period it was. I don't know. Uh, I think it was the 80s. Um, but again, it, not speaking English, right? And and having it set in English, like it, it's just that same thing. Like you're you're not allowing other really talented people to step forward and shine and showcase. And and it's very disappointing when it's so easy to find and it's so easy to do. And it just it doesn't get done because it's not the mainstream appeal. It's not the wide appeal. And that's that's the other hurdle as well is you sure, you know, give them a voice, give them a chance. But then if this is a unfortunate business. Right. So who's going to go see it unless there's a major star attached to it? 
So that's the other kind of really complicated thing that kind of throws a monkey wrench into all of these, you know, really well-to-do plans or want to, you know, want to pro be a proponent for, for these kind of changes. But it's not important to not, to not make that, have that hand be raised and say, no, this is important. Well, and, you know, kind of on that too, with next goal wins, uh, it ran the risk of Michael Fassbender's character being a stereotypical white savior. Sure. Um, sure. And the way they played that off, I thought was pretty good because he realized it's not about him. Right. It's about them. Right. They are, they are the ones that, you know, are carrying this team, not him. Right. And, you know, he, he kind of helped them realize that, but he would, didn't save the day. And then he stepped away when he realized, you know, it's, this isn't right. Mine. Right. I've got to go and do, I've got to go and find something else to, to bring me happiness. And yeah. I think that that, is a really small piece of this movie that it makes a big splash. I think you've you've really, you know, hit hit it out of the park on that one. I really really agree in in that. Yeah, this this had a lot of danger of being, you know, very uh, negative against the transgender community and very negative against you know the Polynesian community and very negative against anybody not white being able to do anything positive. Very you know not not positive but. Um, worthwhile or fulfilling and i love that that you brought that up and i love that that you saw that it really took a moment and said look it's not about me you are the heart you are they will follow you you guys are the important ones and you have taught me a lesson i don't know if maybe it being more of a traditional underdog story and just kind of you know from the onset knowing okay obviously he's gonna go through a change um that that um Fastbender's character is going to go through this, you know, life-altering change, and the team's going to turn it around, and it's going to be positive at the yeah. end. For me, maybe soften that blow a little bit. Um, but again, there's only so many stories to tell, and I don't know. I don't know what more it could have done to kind of make those moments pop. Mm -hmm. Besides, maybe I don't know, making them just a bigger role, giving them giving them more to do. But I mean, so. You know, thinking back on the movie, I th if you were to look at the way it was shot and the compositions of the shots changed over the course of the movie, a lot of it at the beginning was focused on Michael Fassbender, mm -hmm. and it was like there were a lot of uh, singles of him, and then as the story progressed, there became, I noticed there were more and more wide shots that yeah. were including more of the team yeah, and there are more shots off of just Michael Fassbender to just people of the team, mm -hmm. um, and that's you know a subtle way that of you know showing that shift. Right, right. Ab no, you absolutely, and that's a very subtle thing that we try and talk about here on the podcast. But there's not a lot of of good opportunities to really kind of hone in and point out. But that's a fantastic point. And I think towards the nearer to the end of the movie, I think there's a lot more shots with him and the team, mm -hmm. which also from a storytelling perspective, again, kind of shows that he's open opening himself up to being around other people and, and, and letting other, you know, people in his life again. And I think that's a that's a great point to be made as well. 
because Taika knows what he's doing when he when it comes to making a film. Making yeah. a movie is you know <laughs> what he does. Really, uh, I know, right? Crazy. Um, so yeah, would were there any other techniques that you that you caught, whether it was the camera work or whether it was you know things like that? Um, off the top of my head, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I you know it's a, it's a really grounded story. Um, which Taika doesn't, it was a lot more grounded than Taika's mm. usual work. I felt like, mm. you know, even though like going back to like our flag means death is set in a time period, it's still a little, almost feels a little fantastical. Sure. Uh, Jojo rabbit was set in a time period, but still had some kind of like, uh, not fantastical, but like, you know, it wasn't as grounded, mm-hmm. obviously, because of the Hitler ghost, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for it, one. Right. Um, so I guess it did have some fantastical elements. And so this one was really just so grounded for him. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, he has done some TV recently. He was a showrunner on a for a show called Reservation Dogs. Right. Right. I think um, he helped create that one, too. Yeah. Well, and, and even that show has some fantastical elements, though. <laughs> but it does feel a little more grounded in real life than some of his other work. Right. Which is mostly works of just pure fiction or, you know, yeah. like, like what we do in the shadows, where it's, you know, just kind of goofy and campy and off the cuff. Whereas this one, you're right, was was not just grounded, but felt more of a human tale. Right. And, and it kind of gave a little bit more meaning to everything that they were that that this movie was trying to do versus it just being a fun kind of quirky comedy. Yeah. Um but also with with YTD's, you know, unique quirky style. I think that that's when that's when Taika is best, at his best is when he's allowed to kind of just say whatever he wants and or through other characters, not even just just him and and his characters that he likes to play, but when his other characters are allowed to kind of breathe and have space, yeah. Um, but also be able to kind of sink in pop culture references, you know, here and there. Um, yeah, I, I really think that's his bread and butter. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, um, editing I thought was an interesting topic, just because yeah. in my research I I um, saw that he likes to give himself a lot of time to edit, like a lot of time to edit, but. I really would like to know how different this movie was when it was first done, because uh, when it was done, it was shelved. And then when it got time to say, hey, we're actually thinking of releasing this, they pull it, he pulled it off the shelf, watched it after like a year or two, and mm-hmm. went, oh, this is a completely different person who made this. I know how to fix this. And did reshoots and retooled it and basically completely changed everything and added that that um intro the fourth wall break uh with with the priest kind of turning you know and, and talking to the audience so i'm really curious to know if if there was like you know not so so much of a grounded film uh early on and if it was more goofy and campy or what was changed um because i thought that it came together really well yeah i thought there were some pacing um challenges in there okay um, I thought the editing was okay. I almost thought it was kind of the weakest part of the movie. Okay. To be honest. Um, cause some of the, like the recruitment of some of those characters, it just kind of came and went. Yeah. And like, I was like, who are these people? Like, why do we care? And like, right. I felt like, you know, there could have been more 
of the team building. So I just I thought some of the pacing was a little off for me. Um, not to say that it was it was bad, but mm-hmm. you know, but a little bit, a little bit too choppy, a little yeah. bit too quick, and at times, yeah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. Like like the scene with the cop, and then he like he that guy like came and went, and I was like, right. oh okay, like, right, you know. Yeah, well, because he joined the team, but then wasn't like a mainstay. I, he, but he had, as far as joining the team, like he had the longest like intro to any of the new players, and then it was just kind of quicker and quicker and quicker as we went through that series of of events. Here, here's actually here's one of my favorite um, rec- recruitment montages from like a sports movie mm-hmm. is um, from the Longest Yard. Okay. Uh, with the Adam Sandler one, mm-hmm. if you remember that, <laughs> that I fuck. When was the last time I watched that? It's probably been a minute. It's but, been a minute. <laughs> but you know, it like they're like, here's this guy. This is what he's in jail for. This, mm. but this is how he can help benefit the team. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then it, and then you know, you see him like doing his thing, and like you know, because that was kind of an underdog story too. Mm-hmm. Um. But it but it wasn't so much isolating this one character and then moving on to the next. Yeah. And it kind of, not even just back and forth, but kind of like restarting every time we got to a new character, mm-hmm. right? Or, or a new potential member of the team. It yeah. kind of, yeah, it jump-started a little bit and then just like didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And then we moved and it didn't really advance the yeah. plot too much. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, hey, we've got a full team that now has cohesion, so it, it definitely kind of rushed through one of the more important aspects of this. Exactly. Um, and I don't know. I, I thought that the comedy kind of landed when, when it needed to and stayed out of the way of the dramatic stuff. Um, as far as like the, the end of it, right? After that, that big, you know, uh, that, that moment in the bathroom with Jaya, um, you know, breaking down and just, yeah. you know, succumbing to the pressure. I'm so glad that that, he let that breathe and didn't try and insert some kind of stupid joke and try and yeah. lighten the mood a little bit and let and let that moment land. And I wish that the movie had a little bit more of that. Uh, you know, not necessarily making it a drama, but I think it could have been a bit more dramatic and a bit more intense in those ways because this is a pretty, you know, interesting subject matter. And with uh, Jaya being the first transgender athlete to play in a World Cup qualifier, that's mm. a huge moment. And yeah. that just kind of was breezed over. And that really wasn't, you know, I know that wasn't the focal point of the movie, but I think that not allowing that fact to kind of stand on its own was a bit of a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the other thing that I think is always... Call it a trope, a good trope, mm-hmm. uh, in these kind of recruitment montages is seeing the main character who's doing the recruiting grow from each interaction. Um, and I didn't feel like that happened as much as strongly as it could have. I agree. I think it happened some, but like I, it took him like the whole length of the movie to finally get there. And that's not to say that you can't have it that way, but, like, we could see small character growths. Right. And then, like, then we have a Dark Knight of the Soul moment mm-hmm. where he, you know, something comes up, his ex-wife comes back, and everything just goes back to the way it was. Right. 
and he turns back to shit. Right. And, you know, he could have had these small character growth moments and then, like, something like his ex-wife coming back and he turns back to the way he was, Mm -hmm. only to then realize, you know, the big realization of it all. Right. Um, And let that moment, you know, again, land a little bit more weight, weighted a little bit more then I think it just kind of touched on everything a little bit too lightly. Yeah. But again, it was it it is a comedy, and it is a light comedy, light-hearted comedy. So I don't know if, again, that was kind of the whole point of we're not going to take anything too seriously, but I think that also was a bit detrimental to the overall how how much better maybe it could have been had it had a heavy hand in certain places, like you said. Yeah. So, and I, I wonder if part of the reason they took it off the shelf is with all the success of other soccer, or do we call it football? <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, content that's out there. Ted Lasso for one. I be- oh, absolutely. Uh, Did you catch the Ted Lasso reference? Was there a Ted Lasso reference? There absolutely was. Now I don't know if it was in if that was part of what was inserted in these you know little reshoots and retoolings. Um, but early on when when uh. Um, oh my god, what is the character's name? Fucking when Rongin first got to the team, and they don't even have like a proper whistle, so that so oh, the yeah, old whistle, co- yeah, yeah, just whistle. whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, hey, yeah. I got that reference. But again, <laughs> okay, so Roy, exactly, <laughs> fucking Roy. I fear, I again, I feel like that's where where YTD is best is when he has his hand kind of all over pop culture and just mm-hmm. brings these little subtle things in. That you will go, hey, I know that. I, I yeah. got that. That's, oh, okay, cleverly tied together, <laughs> tied mm-hmm. in. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm kind of all over the place where, like, there, there are moments that I really, really enjoy and really like about this, but I'm also kind of disappointed by what we maybe could have had mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe just didn't quite get enough of. Yeah. But yeah, there's, sorry, it, it did come around, I think, sorry, not to, to discredit your point, I think it did come back around with, with, all of the, what other besides Ted Lasso am I forgetting? Because there's uh, Welcome to Wrexham. That's it. Thank you. That was the other one with Welcome to Wrexham and that success. And also, I want to shout out to Wrexham Football Club for just dominating <laughs> right now. Yeah, I have I have been kind of following them <laughs> and, and their uh, journey because yes, because of the documentary, <laughs> um, but also like this is this has become a really good team. Yeah, they are. I think in second place in their in their respective division right now. Or conference or whatever bubble <laughs> that yeah. is. Um, so if they can keep it up through uh, April, then they're they're eligible for promotion again. So two awesome. two out of three would be incredible. Yeah. Um, which also means more content, which means yes. more welcome to Rexum, <laughs> which I'm all Please. for. Which <laughs> I'm all for. Um, so yeah, I, I assume that that definitely is riding on the coattails of things like that. Mm-hmm. Strike while the iron's hot, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, I wonder how it would have been. If they had released it in 2020, because mm-hmm. that would have been the first season of Ted, I believe, mm-hmm. of Ted Lasso, uh, was 2020. It sounds right. I believe you're right. Yeah. I believe you're right. So, you know. I didn't have Apple at, Apple Plus at the time, so I I was like, yeah, sure, it sounds like a show everyone likes, but I, <laughs> I was on the outside of that. I'm so glad I came in for Such the last season. Such a good show. Um, well, we might have to do that one. <laughs> Yes, um, but yeah, yeah. I wonder how next goal wins would have um, would have been if if yeah. it had been released before or at the same time as first season. Of I feel like it would have been received a bit more warmly. I don't know critically. Um, 
and I don't know if you've looked at numbers, but that's something we do on the show is I want to ask you about numbers. Um, so I don't know about critically if it would have been received better uh, or if it just would have been, again, part of the cultural zeitgeist at the time and maybe got lost in the shuffle with like, okay, cool. Well, you know, there's this great thing and, and now Next Goal Wins just kind of feels like it's trying to do that, even though I don't think they had anything to do with each other yeah. in any way, sh- any way, shape or form. Um, I feel like that it probably could have gotten knocked for, you know, not being as good as that series, but uh, also again, different movie, different time period. It's a good point though. That's a good point. (laughs) Ah, the what ifs. Right. Speaking of what if, no, I'm kidding. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Um, do you have anything else major that you want to, that you want to mention? Anything you want to talk about? What? Touch on just about. What is it with dogs and, like, shoving their butts at people? <laughs> Pet my ass. <laughs> um, cool. As long as you're happy with that, um, then before we get to ratings, because so we do we do numbers. So I want to get your, your uh, estimations about some numbers, because I am looking, so I'm not going to guess. I know but, basic math. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> your guesstimations. I'm a filmmaker. Not a mathematician. <laughs> Some numbers. So do you do you know what the budget was for this? Um don't look. Don't look, okay. If you don't know, if you had to guess, what is the estimated budget before? That's the other thing is we're never sure with the estimated budget numbers come out if that's where we we assume that it's before um advertising. I'm gonna guess so. twenty mil. Ooh, you're close. You're very close. It's a little under at fourteen mil. I was gonna say fifteen. Ah, you should have gone with your gut. <laughs> Should have got what you got. Um, as of right now, this is only made just under six million worldwide. Wow. So I know it's just it's so sad because I really like uh, Taika's films and I like his style. And it's just I don't know. I I kind of got the sense when this was released, it it just kind of felt I don't know not not spectacular in the in the way that it was going to draw a lot of crowds. Well, I know I, I heard a story from uh some acquaintances who are managers at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, but Regal does $5 movies, mystery movies. Oh, okay. They're usually like upcoming, they're like pre-screeners of upcoming movies. That's cool. So, Next Goal Wins was one of them and there was like I think they said there was like 10 people in the audience that day and like almost all of them walked out really and demanded like refunds and like what? gave them bad reviews because of it. And like, I'm like, what, what? do you even stay to watch the movie yeah, or right? you just exactly. saw that it was like Taika or like that it was about soccer or like, yeah. What, what what made you walk yeah. out? Because like, I would love If you're going like, into a mystery movie, what did you expect? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know, expected right? Oppenheimer for $5. <laughs> yeah. No, <sighs> but... Uh, That's sad. Yeah, really. It is sad because I would love people to go see this movie if only for the representation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Support, support these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just because it's a you know a big name in Taika Waititi, but he he does a really good job of bringing uh, behind the ca- behind the scenes behind the camera uh, representation as well. Like yep. he, so, it's not just supporting some big some big corporation that that you know pretends to care. Like I do believe that that this would 
the money would go where it needs to. Let's yeah. just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of ratings and people giving bad reviews, uh, what do you think the IMDb rating is out of 10 for next goal wins? Don't they do like point systems? Like 7.4? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to go with a 7.4. <laughs> you are kind of close. What was your first guess? <laughs> I, I just assumed after the uh, budget the that you changed it. <laughs> um, no, it's a 6.5. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, solid. Not not great. Not <laughs> Exactly. Not not beloved, but not, uh, not as bad yeah. as some things. How about Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes uh, goes off of percentages. Um, I think the critic score is like 64%. Okay. And the audience score, I think, is like... 80? You're close with audience. You're really close with audience. A- audience is an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. So again, kind of where I expected this feel-good underdog story to be. Critics hate this movie. This is at 42%. Ooh. After 114 reviews. Yeah, That's they That's... do not like this. And again, I'm wondering They're what... They're not to like shit. Exactly. <laughs> yes, but, you're, but, you know, painting a critical review, are you are you doing it because you didn't get what you wanted or are you doing it based on what you saw? Yeah. And comparing it to stuff like Ted Lasso and welcome to Wrexham. Exactly. Like doesn't help. Yeah. Doesn't help. So yeah, it's interesting to know where, where all of those come from. So, all right. I think, uh, I think it's about time to rate this shit. Should we rate this? Yeah, let's rate it. Let's rate this. All right. Next goal wins. So we go off of the more IMDb, um, uh, value weight system. Weight okay. system, yes. Except, um, what we do is we go in quarters, like Netflix used to be. You yes. remember? No, I don't. You don't remember when you could rate the stars system on each like thing you watched on Netflix? I don't remember Netflix ever doing that. Yeah. I want that back. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I want to say yes, but honestly, like, I don't know if I ever did. Or if I did, it was all oh, just 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's just the don't like it, like it, love it. And yeah, that that's not accurate representation either. Coldstone rule. Exactly. <laughs> like it, love it, really. <laughs> gotta have it. <laughs> you gotta have gotta it. Gotta have it. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Coldstone. <laughs> um, so Luke, do you, do you have an idea of where you'd want to put this on a scale of 1 to 10? And why? As much as... As much as I liked it, I would probably put it towards the bottom tier of Taika's uh, filmography. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I am a huge fan of Taika. Um, so I would probably give it a seven point seven and three quarters. 7.75. Yes. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, do you have any last minute analysis you want to you want to throw out for it? Any any reason why you gave it that that score? Um Well, like I said, I just, I've seen almost all of his work including his shows and I just I think if it was about any other kind of team, if it was just like a general European team, it would probably be even lower. Mm-hmm. But I rated at higher for the representation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I, I really do respect and appreciate that. Um, but you know, it was just overall, it was fun, but it was, a, it was a movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is the most succinct review. It is, it was a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I share some of the same sentiments, sentiments. Um, I enjoyed it overall. Like I, I was very entertained and I think that, um, we talk here on, on what we watched that, that entertainment value speaks volumes that if you're entertained you can you can forgive a lot of the things you didn't like about that so i was uh i, I want to say that i i enjoyed it overall um i thought the comedy was really funny like i thought that um the pop culture references were great i thought taika's direction was was good i love the representation um the story itself was kind of subpar but then again again when you get into the nitty-gritty there's not much you can do with an underdog story um, that's going to wow or surprise or reinvent the, the genre. Um, but there wasn't anything inherently wrong with it. I thought the acting was good, maybe a little bit above average, um, especially for having a non-actor be one of the leads. I thought, I thought, uh, they were fantastic, um, in, in that role. Fastbender was an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, he looked like the guy. He looked like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> kind of going back to the, the Napoleon thing, like, just because you look like a guy doesn't mean that maybe you're the best choice for yeah. it. Um, but, uh, yeah, his, no, go ahead. His Irish accent was coming through a few times. I don't know yeah, if you noticed. <laughs> I did. I did. That's why I was like, ah. seemed like a bit of a struggle for him. <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a reach, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think any, anything was phoned in. I thought that it was, it was, you know, done very well. I thought that the the you know cinematography was average. Nothing wrong with that. I thought the lighting was was fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, it being a, a, a period piece, you know, early two thousands is apparently period now, so that hurts to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought for for being period, I mean, it felt like early two thousands as far as the the way the the cars were, as far as the the music that was was played. Um, overall, I thought it was really solid. I thought it was it was an enjoyable comedy that had some heart to it. It had enough heart, but it could have could have been more um, for my taste. So I'm gonna give it a Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a solid seven. Somewhere on the on the context of like a bow is afraid. I liked it more than a little bit more than Blackberry. It was kind of on the same realm for me. So I I could say six point seven five. I think I'm gonna go solid seven out of ten for me. But Yeah, it's that's like a C. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know. Exactly, exactly. So um sweet um is there anything coming up in the next month or so that uh that you're looking forward to seeing whether it be whether it be uh movies or tv shows because we didn't really talk too much about about tv um like i like we ha wanted to but i don't want this to run too too super long yeah um the boy and the heron for mm -hmm. one um super excited for that one uh <clears throat> I heard Dream Scenario is going to be playing everywhere soon. It's only been in select theaters. Yes, I right. am. I am going to go see that tonight. <laughs> nice. Very, very much looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, I've been wanting to see that one. Um, ooh, the Godzilla movie. That one looks good. Stoked. That one looks pretty cool. Uh, I've heard good and things about that. I need to watch Monarch too. too. I heard Monarch? Monarch is really good. What is Monarch? It's like the all of the uh, 
what are they called? The monsters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The got like John Goodman, the Apple, Apple series. Yeah, yes. I heard really good things. Yeah, that one looks interesting. Um, honestly, that's I'm looking at the coming soon movies. I could honestly, I don't. There's a there's a lot of uh, awards hopefuls. I think that are stacked in December. Wonka looks interesting. Um, Wonka only looks interesting for the production design to me. I understand that. I understand. I love Timmy Sh- Timothy though. I love I love me a good Chalamet. Um, so I'm excited <laughs> yeah. to see if he does a good job with it because it doesn't look like he's going to phone that one in. Like it looks like he's kind of sinking his teeth into this character, um, and it's the same guy who did Paddington too. So I think it'll be that same kind of whimsical, feel good, you know, right. dose of dose of uh, fantastical that we need for TV. Uh, Marvel's What If season two. So oh, good. finally. I was wondering if they were ever going to do another yeah, season two. and they're uh, introducing an indigenous um, superhero. Are they really? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so very excited for that. Also, the Avengers as, like, knights. Mm. Uh, so I'm excited for what if, uh, as okay. far as TV goes. Excellent, excellent. And I know the Emmys are coming up. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you... Give me... Give me Three shows that you think everyone needs to go see from this year. Three shows from this year that everyone needs to see. I got my list. Uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. Okay. Uh, it's a Fleetwood Mac fanfic, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's so good. It's got... Doesn't that one have some truth to that one as well? Yeah. So even... Uh, so St- <laughs> Stevie Nicks watched it twice and said that it felt like she was a ghost watching her own story on screen. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the best reviews I've ever heard. Right? <laughs> uh, That's all you can hope for, I think. The, the music's great. The uh, drama is great. Mm-hmm. The acting uh, was fantastic. And, you know, Evie Nicks even signed off. On there you go. There you go. Um, One Piece. Yes. One Piece okay. was so much fun. Um. And I just binge watched all four seasons of Succession. I haven't. Yeah, that one's <laughs> that one's. I've been staying away from because I have the same feeling. I feel like I'm gonna once I start, I'm not gonna stop. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, but okay. We've been. Uh, my wife and I've been making our way through The Crown. Um, oh, really? That's a task. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first. I like the first few seasons. We're on towards the end of season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so funny because I feel like. They used it as a comp in Succession, except mm-hmm. put this like royal family, quote unquote, into the world of capitalism, and so they're like, they're it's so like cutthroat and like they're also like bad to each other, and yeah, <laughs> it, it's Adam McKay and Will Ferrell as showrunners. Oh, really? Which I didn't know about till I started watching it, and I was like, what? Wow! <laughs> so it's got this like, like dark edgy kind of comedy to it at times uh-huh. um i would say overall it's more drama heavy but it does have some like oddly placed comedy that just works yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that's kind of adam mckay is like oddly yeah, placed comedy exactly. that somehow it shouldn't work but it does <laughs> yeah and he yeah he delivers. that makes sense um so yeah for a start those three okay okay sounds great um well luke it's been a pleasure thanks so much for coming on the show uh, i definitely want to have you back soon to, awesome. to talk something i would love that we'll figure we'll figure out what but um uh, on the meantime are you on social media can people find your opinions and and rantings and ravings <laughs> i mean uh discussion points 
<laughs> um, I'm on social media, but it's not really much to do with um, movies unless you want to follow A to Z Productions on uh, Instagram. We're starting to post more. Very nice. Um, and there'll be more updates on there regarding the documentary and other projects to come. Um, Fantastic. So yeah. Fantastic. All right. A to Z Productions on Instagram. Uh, for what, what we watched, we're on Zitter at watch underscore podcast. We're on Facebook at what we watched. Uh, I've been Brandon, your host as always. Luke's are, well, maybe not as always, but I've been Brandon. I've been your host for today. That's Luke. Uh, he's joined for the first time uh, this week. We appreciate the discussion, guys. Uh, don't forget to uh, let us know what you thought of Next Goal Wins uh, and what you're looking forward to with the last month of, of the year. If there's anything that you want us to cover, please let us know. Uh, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Enjoy the movies. Bye. Thank you. Bye.